The Athletic. It's time for another episode of Straight Out of Cobham, the Chelsea FC podcast from The Athletic. Today, Chelsea just about get past Plymouth, but head to the Club World Cup without Thomas Tuchel. There's a big win in the WSL and Edouard Mendy celebrates AFCON success. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight Out of Cobham. Welcome in then, listener. It's Monday, which means we are together for the first of our bi-weekly Chelsea chats. I'm Matt Davis-Adams. Joining me today, The Athletic's Dominic Fifield. How are you, Matt? I am absolutely fantastic. Talk about it. Go on. Just get it out of the way now. (laughs) Yes, my beloved uh, other two-time European champions made it through (laughs) to the FA Cup fifth round where they will lose at home to Huddersfield, but still will always have Leicester. Uh, Sam Park is also with us. Morning, Sam. Yeah, congratulations, Matt, and uh, good morning. Mm, Yeah, right. Speaking of congratulations, I thought we'd kick off today uh, by passing on hours to Edouard Mendy because he only went and helped Senegal win the AFCON final against Egypt on Sunday night. Arguably the worst game of football that's taken place in 2022. Um, But the right ending as far as Mendy is concerned and Senegal too, of course. He even saved a penalty, Dom, in the final and it continues (laughs) this ridiculous rise from him. What what was it, 2015 he was on the unemployment line and now he's won the Champions League and the African Cup of Nations. Just amazing. What, What a... What a last 18 months he's had, or the last few years, have been incredible. I think he's the first player to keep a clean sheet in the Champions League final and then the final of AFCON. Um, and to do that within the, uh, you know within a year, it's, it's just, it's a fairy tale, really. And he, he comes across as such a nice person, such a such a humble man, and, and uh, someone who's almost pinching himself at, at everything that's happened to him uh, since, he, since he left Wren to come to, to Chelsea. Uh, look for him to save a penalty. I mean, that was supposed to be his weakness. He wasn't meant to be good at that aspect of his game, and he does that. It wasn't the greatest of penalties ever been struck, but to do that in the in the shootout and to keep a clean sheet in that final, just 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 magnificent, um, and 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 testament really to to the progress he's made and the impact that he's had since he's come to to England to Chelsea. And and now with the national team, I mean that must be the scenes. The scenes back in Senegal were unbelievable. The, the, the celebrations in the streets uh, for them, as a for a nation like that, he's he's come so close previously. I mean, it was hard not to be emotional just watching those celebrations post match. I mean, it was it, it was right up there with the city ground as well. I mean, properly properly special occasion, and and yeah, chuffed to bits for. For Mendy, he's obviously got a massive fight on to get back into the Chelsea team now that Kepa's been excelling. But even so, woof. Yeah, they've probably got the two of the best goalkeepers out there on on the books. And yeah, really, really pleased for him. Sam, this circuitous route that he's that he's taken into football, you know, having having signed a minimum wage contract to be the fourth choice at Marseille just to get him back into football. Obviously, anybody who wins the Champions League in Afcon is going to celebrate that, but he must cherish it even more, given that you know there was a stage in his life where a professional footballer was just just not an attainable dream for him for him to have. No, he's been a been an amazing signing, um, considering you know where he's come from. Um, credit to you know the staff at Chelsea for for taking the the plunge really to go and get him but it seems like a brilliant character as well uh, the way that 
you know, speaking about Kepa, the way that he's conducted himself, you should think back to that Super Cup uh, at the start of the season, the way he conducted himself during that has been phenomenal. And I think that's a huge feather in the cap of Thomas Tuchel to keep those two happy, I think, and motivated and competing for that number one spot in the side because, you know, Kepa looked really down on himself, didn't he, for a period under Frank Lampard. So I think that's been a, that's been a big part of it, really. The defensive record's been superb um, and both goalkeepers' performances to date this season. Yes, there's been a few mistakes from, from Mendy, really, in particular, which seems strange, but, you know, both of them are very reliable, really, across the piece. And right now, um, should be full of confidence going into the next next round of games. Uh, Chelsea, by the way, uh, congratulated Mendy on the club website yesterday and said that he will join up with the squad in Abu Dhabi later, uh, which is vague, but one would assume that he won't be playing on Wednesday, but we'll be back for the final uh, should Chelsea get there. Okay, next today, we'll look back on Saturday's FA Cup action. Abbott's combining with Werner. Good move by Chelsea. Alonso! Chelsea are 2 1 up in extra time. Lovely move. Move of Premier League quality. Ryan Hardy to step into Plymouth. Argyle immortality. Saved! Kepa is again the Chelsea penalty kick hero, just as he was in the European Super Cup. Chelsea squeezed past League One Plymouth Argyle then. The Blues through to the fifth round of the FA Cup for the 25th time in the past 28 seasons, but they needed extra time to get the job done. Uh, Sam, you and I were at Stamford Bridge for this one. I feel like we should we should start really by praising Plymouth and their, their rookie manager who came with a game plan which, which many visiting Premier League managers would have been proud of. Yeah, I was well positioned to to look at the, the technical area during the early sparring and he looked very nervous, Stephen Schumacher, understandably so. Uh, he was quite twitchy and, and he didn't really speak to any players or pass on any instructions until maybe 10, 15 minutes in when he'd settled down to his surroundings, which you can understand. I think four years ago he was he was taking Everton's under 11s or something. So it's been it's quite the journey he's been on. Um, and yeah, not to get too in-depth on, on Plymouth Argyle, but in terms of a team that plays the same way week after week, every player that knows their job, they are right at the top of the list. 3-5-2 every week. And it they didn't change or deviate coming up against Chelsea or when they had to make changes later in the game. It, it's a, a well-versed game plan, which all the players know. And I think that was that was highlighted with the way they defended two wing-backs, uh, you know, back in a back five, the, the back three, there were some colossal performances and obviously the goalkeeper who by all accounts has got a great chance. Well, I think we saw that with our own eyes at the weekend, Michael Cooper, local lad. He stepped up and, and really enjoyed his afternoon at Stamford Bridge. So they can count themselves unlucky, but I think the other side is we can't get away from the amount of, you know, chances Chelsea still created, hit the woodwork three times. If the timing of the goals would have been different, then maybe they would have run out more comfortable winners. But it was a great cup tie and, and yeah, definitely credit to Plymouth. Dom, is it too easy to say that Chelsea were affected by Thomas Tuchel's absence? I mean, we've seen that kind of work both ways with teams this season, haven't we, when when the coach can't be on the sidelines? Possibly. I mean, I suppose the players would be the only ones who could tell us that. But it's, it sounds as if, if Tuchel had an input and he was he was he was 
badgering um, Weber up in the stands, who was then passing on the information to Zolt Lowe on the touchline, who was then passing it on to Arno Michels as well. So, I mean, it's a, a proper um, <laughs> sequence, a conveyor belt almost to get the to get the uh, information out onto the pitch. But I don't think that can be really used as an excuse. I, I suspect, weirdly, having having gone through a period where we were. Chelsea were bemoaning the fact that their players were knackered. There was actually a, probably an element of rustiness, having had a rare week off, uh, weekend off the previous weekend. So um, that that probably affected the the rhythm of the performance. Although you know, as you guys have just said, you, you look at the Beth stats and it's it's a terrifying a number of shots created, forty one opportunities created by Chelsea over the hundred and twenty minutes. Um, the worrying thing, and it's been a common trait uh, at Chelsea this season, was only eleven of those were actually on target, um, and that that's that's a reflection of rustiness. It's, it's a reflection of some of the, the the problems that we've debated quite a lot on this on the podcast over the course of the year as well. But there there are times when they're not ruthless enough. That's the reality of it, and the, the game could have been put to bed a lot a lot sooner with a, a bit more composure in the finish. Um, but you know they got through, and it, it's it's probably good to get you know 120 minutes in the legs again ahead of ahead of the trip to Abu Dhabi so you know it works both ways at 20 corners in the match it's been a long time <laughs> since I've seen a team had that Sam we, we spoke on Thursday or you spoke on Thursday asking well how much confidence would a Timo Werner or a Romelu Lukaku mm. get from scoring against Plymouth well what's the opposite effect then <laughs> <laughs> um yeah not good probably I stand by what I said you know, these guys are elite players used to playing you know, massive matches, Champions League, international, you you name it. So I'm not sure scoring a hat, well, scoring a hat trick against Plymouth, you say, oh, it was only a league one side. You know, that would have been the retort from the supporters, I think, you know, waking up this morning. But the performance levels were, well, I mean, I wouldn't say shocking, but quite alarming, really. Um, I thought Lukaku's body language wasn't good at all. I thought that Werner and Havertz had an opportunity to come on. Um, excuse my French here, but I've watched Tottenham really struggle mm-hmm. to get past lower league opposition in the European Conference League or whatever it's called, FA Cup. Harry Kane, Lucas Moura come on, 20 minutes it takes them to completely change the the outlook of that game. That's what Havertz and, and Werner should be able to provide at the weekend. Werner couldn't get up to the speed of the game. I always think back to Hazard, you know, not comparing the two, but Hazard used to walk onto the pitch at Stamford Bridge and immediately he could change the complexion because he was that good at picking up the pace of the game. And I thought Werner never got to grips with it at the weekend. I thought Havertz was hesitant in in everything that he did. And again, as Dom says, bailed out by two of the defenders, essentially, to to get the goals. I thought Ziyech was bright. I thought that Mason Mount is the game changer right now consistently his position wide on the right hand side kind of almost on the t- on the the toes of of Ziyech is really important for Chelsea right now getting an overload on the right hand side and I thought those two showed flashes but the other forward players Lukaku Hudson-Odoi and uh, the aforementioned substitutes well short well short of of where they need to be so I think it's another um, post-mortem where there's a lot more questions rather than than answers and uh, and that's a shame because they had an opportunity to not so much get confidence but get the minutes in the legs and and I think the biggest thing 
get the crowd on side because that's what I sensed at, at the weekend. I don't know if you did as well, Matt, but it's like they're waiting now. They're waiting for a few touches to go astray or a few chances to be missed. And then they're going to get on the back of Romelu Lukaku and Timo Werner. And I could go on. So it was an opportunity for those people in the crowd to go, do you know what? There's still a lot to play for this season and we need to support the players. Yeah, they, they've shown a lot of patience with Havertz. And I think we understand the reasons for that because he's had COVID twice and he, he seems to pick up an injury just when he gets going. And with Werner too, remarkable patience shown by the crowd. But but with Werner, Dom, with Havertz, you kind of feel there's more to come. With Werner, I wonder if we've seen the best of him and Chelsea might be thinking we need to cut bait here and, and, and try to find an exit route for him in in the summer. Look, quite possibly, quite possibly. He he should he should be able to stretch teams with his with his pace when introduced as a substitute late on. I mean, he had eight came on with eight minutes to go of normal time, then had the whole of the extra extra period as well. I mean he should he should be you know, driving knackered defenders into their shells. He should be really, really stretching them, um, at getting them out of their comfort zones, etc. And he, if he's not doing that, if he can't get up to the to the rhythm and pace of a game when being introduced, then, then there's a real problem there because what role is he going to fulfil in this team? He's not He's not going to get in as the first-choice striker, not when they've got a £100 million player that they have to try and get the best out of. Um, so... But we we talked about this a couple of weeks back. It's the problem is where could they where could they offload him on the wages that he's earning and the money they would expect to recoup for him? And you know you're looking at you're hoping that Borussia Dortmund might do some business on Haaland and have a lot of money to suddenly spend. But they're usually quite shrewd with their signings. Um, do they see a, do they see Timo Werner as the type of player that would? That would fill the void left by a Haaland. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a really awkward one, and it's not the first time that Chelsea have been in this position with, a, with an expensive striker that they they sort of got on the books now, and they don't really know what to do with them. They've almost become surplus to requirements um, overnight because they've spent money elsewhere, or the player has hasn't quite lived up to the expectations, you know, that that existed when he originally arrived at the club. So it is a difficult one, but I, I agree with you. If, if Werner should be the sort of the fullback option that the the player to yeah to 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 spark an occasion later on if he's going to come off the bench and if he's not doing that if he can't do that then then he is probably very very surplus. Hang on, listener. Amanda Stavely entered the chat. We might be uh, we might be about to get an answer to the question. No, I'm joking. Uh, FA Cup wise, Chelsea will play Luton Town away in the fifth round of the FA Cup, due to take place Wednesday the second of March. It's the Sam Parking Derby, of course. Uh, where are your loyalties lying in this one, Sam? <laughs> um, where's my loyalties lying? Oh, I'm with with Chelsea, of course, Matt. Um, <laughs> what did you say on the Luton Town podcast? <laughs> um, I'd be saying Luton Town if Mick Harford was on said podcast as well, Dom. Um, so nice, nice one for Mick as well, obviously, who came up in the quiz recently. But I know it's, I know they played at the Bridge um, last season, wasn't it? But it's it's always a great spectacle at Kenilworth Road. I think when the big clubs go there, I remember Liverpool in my time coming down. We got a replay there, and it's a very vociferous home crowd. Uh, it's a good side that Nathan Jones has put together. They do things a bit differently right now in comparison to championship teams in, in terms of their recruitment, take quite a lot of guys from League One and League Two, sell on value 
Um, and they're going brilliantly right now. They've got an outside chance of the playoffs. So it'll be a great atmosphere. And I think it'll be, it's the type of ground and the type of occasion, which I'm sure the, the tickets will be like gold dust for Chelsea supporters because they'll be desperate to, to get to that one. It'll be a brilliant game. I'm sure it'll be one of the, the ones picked up by TV. Yeah, under the lights as well on a, on a Wednesday night. It should be a good one. All right, we'll have a quick look ahead to Chelsea's Club World Cup semi-final next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Just a brief preview of this as we talk through the tournament on Thursday show, but we now know Chelsea will face Al Hilal in the semi-final of the Club World Cup on Wednesday. They beat Al Jazeera 6-1 on Sunday to qualify uh, for the semi. Dom, I feel like because Thomas Tuchel's not there, this gives us an, a nice opportunity to plug your piece on Chelsea's backroom staff from a few months ago. <laughs> Well, Liam's Liam's trumped me with a with a specific piece on the weekend, um, their involvement at the weekend against against Plymouth, which is on the site at the moment. But yeah, Zolt Lowe will, who we profiled earlier in the season, will definitely have a, a major say in in how that that game plays out. He'll be very visible, I imagine, on the touchline. Um, so yeah, look, it's there are some familiar names actually in that Al Hilal. Lineup that you know people that we that we will have seen in the, in the Premier League or in the Champions League in recent seasons. Um, Odia Nagalo has has just joined the Saudi club. There's Musa Morega who was playing at Porto last season against Chelsea in the Champions League. A very big, strong forward, um, and Matias Pereira, who was at West Bromwich Albion, um, excellent in the I think in the Championship when they got promoted, and maybe not quite as effective in the Premier League. Um, but a, a, still a player that was expected to stay in the English top flight when West Brom were relegated last season, but ended up taking a lucrative move to Saudi. Um, it's it's a uh, it won't it won't be easy. It won't be straightforward that that game. But you'd expect that Chelsea to have the quality to get through. And and, and the Club World Cup, I'm writing on it at the moment actually, is still very much geared towards getting the the best team from Europe and the best team from South America into the into the final that hasn't always worked out that way because the south american clubs have found it harder in recent times um in fact they haven't won it since chelsea lost in 2012 um to corinthians um and i mean that that is i think it's a, a source of consternation in, in in south america but you know i i expect both those teams to progress this week which would set up a an intriguing final for the for the weekend because I don't think I don't think Palmeiras will be any pushovers. Uh, Sam, do you think they might switch to uh, a back three again, Chelsea? Because it didn't really work for at the back on Saturday. No, I, you know, that was a point I was going to raise earlier. I think a few times this season, Christiansen's looked a little bit uncomfortable up against the really mobile, uh, dynamic forward, and I thought Garrick in the first half actually caused him you know quite a few problems. So maybe he, for one, is a bit more comfortable. Uh, in that three, looked a bit more solid, partly because Argyle probably ran out of a bit of steam, I would say, in the second half. But definitely Saar at centre-half and Alonso at left-back seemed to have uh, a bit more sturdiness to it. So 
I'm not sure. I'm not sure what they'll they'll do for this. I've I've liked the tactical flexibility of the last few weeks because I think it's some another subject we've spoken about often, and you don't want to. I don't. You don't want to be too critical of Thomas Tuchel because he's been exceptional, really. But I think it's been great to have a four three three and the the four two 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 and and stuff like that uh, in his armory. Uh, it didn't necessarily work, you know, brilliantly at the weekend. But I think again. These three games are going to be, yes, they want to win the silverware, but it's about getting the, the right amount of minutes into people. Um, I think that means there'll be rotation probably for this first game in particular, and that'll probably take precedent over the over the shape. Simon Johnson's out in Abu Dhabi for The Athletic. We'll hope to hear from him on Thursday's pod. Next today, we'll talk through a big win for the women's team. Carter. That's a good-looking ball. It's flicked in. Wonderful header. Gura Wrighton gives Chelsea the lead. Extremely happy considering we've had so many games in quick succession. I thought the team was organised, diligent, out of possession. I thought we took our goal in the right moment. Could have built on it, I think, in our possession a little bit. But I thought that was the poorest part of our play. But I thought this win played a huge factor. So great to keep a clean sheet. We need to build that confidence. And I think that that's been established this side of Christmas we're unbeaten I really think the team's in a solid place and everybody is I think finding what they need to so we can grind out results today was much you know about that Chelsea are now within two points of WSL leaders Arsenal with a game in hand this after the Blues beat Manchester City at Kings Meadow on Sunday Guru Wrighton is having a terrific season got the only goal of the game the Athletics flow Lloyd Hughes joins us now to talk more about it uh, how do you want to Define this victory flow. Is it is it massive, humongous, gigantic? It's pretty big. It's pretty big. Um, I think over the last couple of weeks as well, City had really grown in confidence and had some key players come back. Lucy Bronze being one of them. Uh, Ellie Roebuck as well has started the last few games in goal and, and they'd really struggled in that position this season. So... They've been scoring a lot of goals as well. So I think there were probably more fears around this fixture for Chelsea than there had been, say, a month or so ago. Um, and Chelsea had also struggled in in league games recently to, to score a lot of goals. So perhaps they were kind of lack, lacking confidence in front of goal. But that big midweek victory over Manchester United in which Chelsea played probably one of the best halves of football they've played all season in the in the semi-final win in the Conti Cup. I think that gave them a lot of confidence going into this match and City off- offered very little, to be honest, going forward. Um, they had enough of the ball, but their final output was just pretty average um, and Chelsea took the opportunity when it came their way. They didn't necessarily create a whole lot either, um, but they did just about enough to to get them over the line. And I think looking ahead to that game against Arsenal on Friday night, I think Chelsea will be favourites for that as well. Uh, We speak loads about Chelsea's plethora of attacking talent, but I know that that's now seven clean sheets in the last eight league games. And that is particularly impressive given that Magda Eriksson has been missing for a lot of those matches. Yeah, uh, Anique Nowen's come into the side. She was bought in the summer by Emma Hayes, but she's still quite young and she was playing in in Holland where kind of the 
the domestic football isn't as probably strong as it is here in England. So I think Hayes was trying to sort of like slowly bring her into the Chelsea first team. And she started a few cup games and then had some minutes in the league, but then was sort of thrown into things when Ericsson got injured. But yeah, they've been really solid at the back recently. And they haven't been tested that much. Um, but Jess Carter, who has struggled at times and been targeted by a lot of players, for the second time this season against Lauren Hemp, she came out on top and won that battle. And she provided a brilliant assist for Gura Wrighton yesterday for that for that goal. So it was a really important performance for her because she has been a bit of a weak link for Chelsea this season, unfortunately. She is probably their weakest defender. Uh, and yeah, she does get targeted a lot, but it was a brilliant game for her yesterday. And Millie Bright had a, had a really, really good performance. So I think there's confidence growing. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens in that game on Friday night. Uh, along the same lines, Flo, um, they spent a large portion of the half-time talking about Emma Hayes' setup without the ball. And considering they've only conceded the six was stopping Kira Walsh the main tactic did you feel yesterday and is that just another kind of string to Emma's bow as well getting them structured so brilliantly yeah I think she's a she's a very she's a very good coach and you know a lot of people that that just watch football in general know that from the way that she's been a pundit on Euros and, and other coverage like she she's a, a brilliant reader of the game she is brilliant as well at her kind of preparation for, for matches I think after a match is done, she will kind of happily open up a little bit more about how she exploited a team's weaknesses. But obviously in the lead up to things, she keeps her cards quite close to her chest. But when you do hear those moments, you really understand how she she knows another team inside out. She's very good at understanding how, how to beat a, a side. And I think what's been so good about Chelsea in the last couple of years is they've been quite um, adaptable. So when they need to do a, a high intense press in order to win the ball, they can do that. But then Hayes can set them up in a bit more of a, a kind of low block when they when they need to. I think there's there's a there's a a mixture there of, of styles, but I still think they're probably at their best when they're more aggressive. But they did let City have a bit more of the ball yesterday. And I suppose maybe they knew that because their attacking outlet, their final ball was quite weak. Hayes probably thought, well, we can sit back and we can let them have it because we're going to be good on the counter and we're going to take the opportunities that come our way. Finally then, this Arsenal game that you've alluded to Friday night, uh, it's a sellout at King's Meadow. This is a, the... the potential to to be a massive momentum shifter in the season isn't it not least because Chelsea will go top of the league if they win still with a game in hand but the kind of the statement it would it would send out against a team you know who it's only what two months ago that they dismantled in the FA Cup final yeah it's, it's a really important game and I think when you look at the two sides and their last couple of weeks Chelsea certainly had the better few weeks Arsenal really struggled recently um, really struggled to create chances and struggled to score goals and they've left it late in a lot of games to to rescue things I think there's more belief in this Arsenal side than there was probably three four weeks ago which is which is frustrating for Chelsea because they're maybe not as wounded as they once were but Leah Williamson didn't play on Saturday so her fitness will be massive for Arsenal um if she doesn't play I would think I would say things probably swing a lot more towards Chelsea again uh, I think if if Williamson does play Arsenal will be, will be better for it but they, they they've just lost a lot of the edge that they had Vivian Miedemar is sitting a lot deeper than she's ever has before and even though she provided a ridiculous pass and assist for Blackstenius's goal on the weekend she's not really in the areas of the pitch where you would you think she can be the most effective and, and punish teams at the right time. So 
I think Chelsea certainly will will look to this game as probably like a defining moment in their season. FLH, always a pleasure. Speak to you soon. Cheers, guys. Well, it was a bad weekend for the academy sides. It started with defeat for the under-23s against Arsenal at Boreham Wood, going down 3-1. It means they played Arsenal thrice this season and the aggregate score is 13-3 in the Gunners' favour. Uh, Sam, this was a little bit harsh there, wasn't it? You and I were, were covering this one for, for Chelsea TV. They, they didn't play as badly as the scoreline might suggest. No, I, I thought there was um, some really good stuff going forward. There seemed to be a bit more vibrancy about the, about the team in comparison to that Manchester City defeat, which saw two really different tactical setups, very deep um, against Manchester City, allowing them to have the ball counter-attacking and against Arsenal, a lot more on the front foot. And I thought, you know, two of the more, I suppose, experienced statesmen in Vale and, and Lewis Hall were, were very good in that enclosing Arsenal, forcing them into mistakes and and therefore making making chances. And I like the centre forward, I think, Jaden Wareham. That's the third goal in the three games against Arsenal. He looks like a real finisher. Good story for, for those that don't know it. He was plucked from Woking and um, seems to be um, doing, doing really well. But just that lack of conviction, I suppose, in the final third, Matt, has been the reoccurring theme. And, and that's why it's been a bit of a struggle this season. Lots of chances, not enough goal scorers, really. Yeah, definitely an athletic long read in the future on Jaden Wareham, I think, from Woking to Chelsea. And that's going to be a familiar path that will get trodden over the next few years. Uh, that defeat means at the time of recording, Chelsea's under-23s are only a point above the relegation zone in PLT. They might even be in it by the time you hear this, as the teams below them, Leeds and Derby, both play on Monday night. Uh, meanwhile, the under-18s lost their grip on top spot in the under-18 Premier League South after a 2-0 defeat against Fulham, which sees them drop to third in the table all right before we go let's get some plugs in uh dom sam basically did your job for you on that late subs piece we were talking about the other week didn't he just didn't he just <laughs> eternally grateful i am a pint um yeah he was he was great um I, I, enjoyable piece to write really um quite interesting aspects of things i hadn't really considered before from appearance bonuses to to the effect of uh to the of the player to the player of, of of being a late substitute, so yeah, that's on that's on the site, and uh, I'm working currently on a piece on largely on Palmeiras um, and and South American attitudes towards the Club World Cup, which hopefully um, will be a, a nice preview in some ways for for the final at the weekend involving Chelsea. Fingers crossed. Uh, elsewhere on The Athletic, you can read Liam's piece on how Thomas Tuchel's lieutenants held the fort on Saturday, while Simon's written about the latest developments regarding Chelsea's out-of-contract defenders. Theathletic.com slash ChelseaPod is the place to go to sign up if you aren't currently a subscriber. Uh, Sam, what does the midweek hold for you? I've got my written diary out again, Matt, because it wasn't allowed to be uh, utilised the last time you <laughs> asked me smart, this. Very smart, yeah. There's not a great deal in there, to be honest. But <laughs> <laughs> so uh, plenty of time with the children this week, but I am going to Bournemouth, Birmingham on Wednesday. So I'll see how Scotty Parker and uh, Dom Solanke recover from defeat to Boreham Shocking that was, wasn't it? Uh, right, we'll be back on Thursday then. We will be reflecting on the Club World Cup semi-final uh, as well as looking ahead to that big game on Friday night for the women's team. Do join us then if you can. From all of us here though, for now, it's goodbye. The Athletic.